This is the Anglican Perspective Podcast with Canons Phil Ashey and Mark Eldridge of the American Anglican Council. Join us for an in-depth look at building up and defending Great Commission Anglicanism throughout the world by developing faithful leaders, equipping local congregations, and always reforming the church. You can find out more about how we can help you and your churches thrive by visiting www.americananglican.org. Welcome to your Anglican Perspective. I'm Phil Ashey from the American Anglican Council with another episode of our Anglican Perspective podcast. And I'm here with my good friend, Bishop Alfred Olwa. And Alfred, it is so good to see you again. I'm only sorry Mama isn't here and Julie's not here. Our times of fellowship together in U.S. and uh, in the Diocese of Lango has been so sweet. So thank you. True, true. Uh, well, we um, we just heard. Well, we just got a leaked statement while we've been here at the House of Bishops meeting in the Church of Uganda. Um, the BBC just leaked from uh, the House of Bishops in England that uh, they are contemplating saying that oh, we're not changing marriage between a man and a woman, but we are going to provide uh, prayers for blessing same-sex couples who've gone into a civil partnership. We'll do it in, uh, um, you know, uh, a daily office, a service of the word, or in holy communion, but we'll be sure not to, to, to only pray for the couple and not pray a blessing on the marriage. Can you tell me as a as a theologian, as a scholar of the Bible, what you think of that? Well, Phil, it's good to be with you again here in yeah. Uganda in this good weather uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Um, back to what you have asked my feelings. First of all, we love England. We love our brothers and sisters who are there, especially the faithful remnants. Yes. I call them faithful remnants because they have stayed with the word of God, which is in the Bible. Yeah. All this that is being said and by the Church of England, as you have just uh, explained, I think, Phil, a line is drawn. And the line drawn is you are either in or you are out. You are either under and in the word of God or not. You can't sit on the fence. And so when you begin to look at the doctrine of creation, yes, there is a problem there with the way I believe most people in the Church of England are trying to interpret. Yeah. And so the doctrine of creation is clear. Yeah. God created us male and female. Yes. And goes on to give us the roles of each mm-hmm. within that context. So we either obey it or no. And we encourage the people in England to listen to the word of God. Mm. But my other second thing issue is I learned in England uh, my theology. Mm. And we were taught this theology of suspicion. Yes. You suspect everything, including the word of God. Yeah, And that hermeneutic, I think, has uh, issues with uh, the decisions the church in England continues to make. You can't suspect the word of God. For me, it's the word of God that met me and pulled me out of 
a broken world, a broken life out of darkness into the light of God. Mm. And now given me the role to proclaim alongside others, proclaim faithfully that word of God. Yes. So I do think that the Church of England, first of all, needs to come back to the Bible. Yes. Get their bearing back to the Bible. Believe the word and therefore be able to proclaim the word, not just in matters of sexuality, not just in matters of gender, not just in creation theology, but really proclaim it in totality, the word of God, and live it. The second thing is about the authority of scripture. Yes. Again, still it goes back to the Bible. Yeah. The Bible is the authority under which we sit, not besides, not beneath, not on top, not behind, mm-hmm. but under and in the world. And I encourage the people, uh, not just in the Church of England, but within the Anglican Communion, including here in Africa, everyone really to take the authority of the word. God has spoken and God continues to speak. He speaks in one big story in the Bible. Yes. And he continues to reveal himself through that word. Thirdly, the Anglican communion has been described to be impaired in its relationship or deeply broken in its relationships. We need unity. Mm. But that unity must be in Christ. Yes. And that unity cannot only be in Christ without listening to scripture and believing in the scriptures. And we cannot be united cosmetically by rejecting Christ, Mm. the one who unites us. Yes. The Holy Spirit working through its words uh, in scripture and through Christ. We just cannot. I like the way you normally put it, gospel deficit. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Um, we, we, we need unity. And even when we go to Gafcon 4 in Kigali, yeah. we need to be united. Yes. Global South and Gafcon. It's true we are emphasizing slightly different approaches mm-hmm. to proclaiming Christ. But I think the right moment has come. Yes. The time has come when I would encourage the two bodies to encourage each other and let's unite under the word and in the word and proclaim the word. Issues of ecclesiology, how the church is governed again, is informed by the word. Yes. Issues of how we get out in missions, we are informed by the word. Issues of discipleship, we are informed by the word. And our church history really informs us. Again, this history is not in any direction. It is in the direction of Christ. So I do hope, and I'm very excited about the coming fellowship in uh, Kigali, a great re- going to be, I think, a great reunion but at the same time, it's an opportunity to become more practical yes. in what we say and do. In other words, walk the talk. Mm. And which talk is this? The talk is go everywhere in the world to all the nations, proclaim the salvation or the good news that Jesus has brought and 
That is God's goodness that has appeared and we must proclaim him. And so in Kigali, we must continue even in every discussions and debates and uh, practical steps we will be taking, this must continue to flow. Yes. That's what I, 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 I anticipate. Um, it's a little difficult to fully nail exactly what post-GAFCON 4 in Kigali will look like. Mm. But certain things are clear. For example, continuing to proclaim Christ, continuing to train theologians the right way, yes. uh, with the right theology, um, being involved outright in mission without being apologetic, you know. Um, also, let me put it this way. I see a vibrant communion driven by unity out of Kigali, mm -hmm. in which we will be, number one, proclaiming Christ faithfully to the nations, yes. but also witnessing that we have a gospel which is worth living. Yes. But also, really, like I've seen in countries like Nigeria, in Uganda, um, we have had witnesses at our nose where our predecessors were able to die for the cause of the gospel where necessary. Yes. And uh, I do hope that this is continuing in yes. post-GAFCON. Now, um, thank you. Thank you, Bishop Alfred. Um, you and I both know that the Jerusalem Declaration, Clause 2, and the Section 1, Paragraph 5 of the Cairo Covenant say almost the same thing exactly. Jerusalem Statement and, and um, uh, the Global South uh, Statement say scriptures must be read in their plain and grammatical sense. Um, uh, so there's clarity there. Jerusalem uh, Declaration says we must read it also in light of the way it's been interpreted by the church over the years. So there's the great tradition. But then the Cairo Covenant adds to that. We reject the very hermeneutics of skepticism that you were just sharing about that you learned or were exposed to when you went to, to theological school in, in England. Um, do you think there's a way for... GAFCON and, um, uh, and Global South Bible scholars, maybe bishops, maybe some professors to come together and, uh, and write something about this in response to the Anglican Communion way of interpreting scripture first from lived experience? I think there must be a way, even though I can't clearly in totality articulate it now. But there must be a way when theologians are coming together, studying the word, because iron sharpens iron. Yes. Yeah, is I love that. that scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, we need written materials yes. with which people should engage. And particularly, the way we have done theology and, uh, and, and lived it, we need it written so that people today and tomorrow can engage with it because it has been tested, it yes. has been lived, it works. Yes. I have just finished writing uh, about uh, Archbishop Janan Luwum's life yes. and witness. Yes. And there's so much we can learn from a brother like that. Yeah. 
First to Kivenjere, it's another yes. one. Yes. And many others, they're all over, all over Africa, all over global south, all over the world. But like-minded uh, people led by the spirit, uh, especially theologians, we need to come together. We need to write. We need to fellowship. We need to share ideas. We need to seek the face of God yes. with our intellect. This is a calling. Yes. We cannot shun it. We cannot even leave it out there because it's not for everybody. Right. But also, especially bishops, need constant training. Today we met in our House of Bishops of Church of Uganda, and we have talked about the training of new bishops. But also we are talking about ongoing refresher courses yes. uh, for bishops. Yes. And therefore, where learning has stopped, life has stopped. Yeah. And so we do need, we do need. Uh, I may not have articulated it clearly enough, but deep down my heart, we do need. And I do hope that at Kigali, through the Theological Forum, uh, these clearer ideas would emerge. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is yeah. my yeah. hope, too. Yeah. I've enjoyed mm. sitting in and listening to some mm. of the bishop's comments and mm. um, everybody calling you mm. only half-jokingly professor. <laughs> Here you are, a bishop, but you are also a theologian. Yeah. And but, but you're so right that it doesn't stop. Mm. Learning never stops. Yeah. And mm. thinking about those uh, those books you've written, you've written about Festo, mm. Cavendry, who is a great evangelist, mm -hmm. and you've written now about um, uh, Archbishop Janani Luwam, who was martyred by Idi Amin and the, uh, the impact he had on Festo. Mm -hmm. You, too, are an evangelist. Mm -hmm. And can you say a little something about what is the, the connection between effective evangelical evangelistic preaching and believing in the clarity and the authority of God's word? Oh, that's a million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> well, um, first of all, when I studied the life of Bishop Festo, yeah. and particularly his preaching, it always takes me back to the Bible, mm. back to the word of God. Yeah. Same thing when I studied the life of Archbishop Jenna Loom. Mm. Constantly takes me back to the Bible. Mm. And in the Bible, they have a biblical theology yes. in which they have continued to preach, to evangelize, to do pastoral work, to do development work, but it's all centered around uh, Jesus Christ, the yes. person of Jesus Christ. Yes. And, and, and that is something they've modeled for me. Yes. And that's something I continue to ensure that I keep that balance. Yes. To ensure that, yes, I preach, uh, I love it. But at the same time, I also want to teach because we are making a mistake, in my view, to try to drive a sharp wedge between preaching and teaching. Mm. Both go hand in hand. Yes. Uh, and I think that is very important. But also for, for our, our theology, and particularly at our theological college, it is really important that our theologians constantly not drive a wedge between the church and the theological seminary. Yes. Because the seminary is there for the church, and the church is there for also the seminary. And all this is really 
to be doing the work of teaching, the work of preaching, the work of evangelism, the work of discipleship, the, name it. Very important that you cannot put constantly a clear dichotomy between between these two. Yes. So, so this yeah. is something I have seen also that is in the life of Festo, was yeah. in the life of Archbishop Janan Loom, and many East African revival uh, brethren. Yes. And that has kept that has kept uh, our way of preaching, our way of fellowship, and our way of uh, reading the Bible. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, you've said so much. I know it was a sixty-four million dollar question, <laughs> yes. but but you've really drawn the connection between the clarity and authority of the Bible and the preaching, effective preaching of the Word, and it's kind of what we looked at in that iceberg example that. If you if you start and go wrong in one area, ultimately it changes the gospel itself. True, yeah, true, yeah, yeah. True. And so we need to keep our seminaries sharp on Amen. the word of God. Amen. 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 Uh, Amen. brother, I'm looking forward to being with you again. And this time Likewise, I'm looking yeah. forward to being with you back in the US and yeah. even here back in Uganda. Yes. And we must continue within the kingdom of God. We must. Back and forth and, and do gospel work. We must. While um, we still have the energy and the opportunity and the privilege to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Bishop Alfred. Thank you. We love you and just uh, you so you. grateful for your fellowship and your friendship. Thank you. Amen. God bless. Amen. You've been listening to your Anglican Perspective with Canon Phil and Canon Mark of the American Anglican Council. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it so that biblically faithful and orthodox Anglicans can stay connected to the latest news, updates, and inspirations from around the world.